Amen. How many believes that? Amen. Amen. He's the God of miracles. Amen. So appreciate our young people, don't we? Want to do something for the Lord and use your talent for the Lord. St. John 17, 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through the truth. This is the true church that Jesus claims as his own. Sanctification is a wonderful, wonderful word. Sanctification means set apart, hallowed. Look at the church here. What makes these block? This carpet could have wound up going in a honky-tonk floor, a gymnasium. This oak wood could have been made into all different kinds of things. Bought at a supply store, brought in here, and we consecrate it, dedicate it to the Lord. Four-inch separation between this sanctuary and my office, four-inch wall. And there's a restroom. I wash my hands. I go to the bathroom. On the outside of this wall is a foyer where you stand and talk. Men's restrooms on this side, ladies' restrooms on that side. But would most of you think about talking in here like you do out there? Why? Because this is sanctified, hallowed, set apart. Right? And remember, Jesus wasn't having problems with lust, and Jesus wasn't having problems with women and, you know, the modern sins of that day, drinking. But he's sanctifying himself for the work, which means he was set apart. How far apart do you have to be? The outer court was set apart. How far? Thickness of the veil. The second dimension was set apart. How far? From the holiest of holies. Thickness of a veil. So you're set apart. How far? Thickness of a veil. Praise the Lord. So it's more than the length of our hair and the length of our dress and all of that. It is that we are sanctified. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your wonderful love and mercy to us to open up our understanding, Lord Jesus, to these precious great truths. As we endeavor to look into your word tonight, Father, we ask for your help. We know it takes the Spirit of God to be able to illuminate the word to make it real and make it live. We ask for that tonight, Lord. We can study, we can read, and we can learn to pronounce words and be able to even quote things by memory. But that within itself will never set a soul free. It will never bring what needs to be brought to make us what you want us to be. So we're asking for your help tonight. Speak to us, Father. Anoint my lips, but anoint the hearts of the people and the ears of the people 
so they can be able to be what you want them to be. As we receive the word, we become that word. So help us, Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Remember, this is the intimate talk of the Lord Jesus on the way from the upper room where they have just had the last supper, as we call it, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's uh, speaking these close, confined words only to his chosen. Judas has been separated now by his unbelief. Satan has entered into him. And as this happens, and Jesus enters into a closer discourse with his disciples than he had had the whole three and a half years that he was with them on the earth. More secret, intimate things are said about the relationship in the future that is to come between the church and him than was said for three years, which is really something when you think about it. His desire was to make known to them with clarity what is fixing to happen, and he enters in, as it were, past his death, burial, and resurrection, as if he's already been glorified. And let us look at this again in verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now, as we said maybe last Wednesday when we dealt with this, that the Lord Jesus is praying this prayer as you and I sometimes would pray, and that is that the prayers that we are praying are for communion, for intercession with the Lord, and yet at the same time, it's also for those that are standing by. Remember at the grave of Lazarus when Jesus was there, whenever he prayed, and he said, Father, I know that you hear me always. But he said, I don't just pray this for my sake, but for those that are standing by listening. So it shows us then that prayers sometimes when they are prayed, many times our prayers are between us and God alone. Other times they are for the connection between us and God, but also for others that are there that will hear that prayer. You may think I'm crazy, but I study Brother Random's prayers because I hear many profound things in those prayers. And people think, well, just the doctrine and just the preaching is the only thing. If you don't listen to those prayers, you miss so many things. Because you hear from his heart so many things that are disclosed in the prayers. And the Lord Jesus is praying this way. So it's not a prayer that is just to be between him and the Spirit God. But it is a prayer that he knew that John would record. And it would be read by many, many thousands of people. And preached for thousands of years thereafter. So he is now reiterating this prayer. And as he prays it, he says, Father, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So the apostles had the same commission that the Lord Jesus had as a man, I say, not as the Logos, but as a man, that he had this, this commission that he was sent into the world. And as I mentioned it to you, that the Lord Jesus was the first New Testament apostle because the word apostle means one sent. So he was the chief apostle and the high priest of God. So he was the first New Testament apostle and he was one sent with a message. So he was the very heart of God sent from the very essence of eternal life. He was the apostle one sent. But the Lord Jesus came that he might bring glory unto the invisible one. Now he was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. 
So he acted out in that part of his description in the Bible that he was one sent. Now the Lord Jesus did not come as a man to be able to establish what he thought was right. He said, I do nothing save what the Father shows me. Now that is a true apostle of God. That is a true messenger of God, not there to bring glory unto himself, but to bring glory to the kingdom of God. So now he is here displaying and saying this in a public way so the apostles will be able to hear it that they are not going to be sent forth so they can establish their own ideology, what they think. They don't even have the authority to establish an organization. The apostles do not have the authority to preach their own doctrine. Why? If they are true ministers of God, they are sent on the same pattern and format as was the Lord Jesus. May I say tonight, every true man of God is sent on the same call today. He has no authority to start a new organization. Well, let me just go ahead and say it. Brother Branham had no authority to go forth and start a new system, a new organization. He didn't want to anyway. He was called of God to, to do what? To preach what the Father sent him to preach. Is that right? So was Paul, so was Arrhenius, on and on and on. So notice Jesus said, as thou hast sent me, now on this same basis as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And remember, they've only went out and preached just a couple of places. They've only went out just a little space from Jerusalem and preached, but he's moved as it was into the future of the mediatorial office as if though he's dispersed them into the entirety of the world as if though they have already received the Holy Ghost now notice this as though they were already endued with the same power now he's going to send them forth with the same commission he's going to send them forth with the same spirit with the same enduing of the same power that he has in him therefore they will carry out his same gospel well let me just go ahead and say it to you this way every true God called man has done the same thing and will continue to do the same thing. As Jesus delivered Spirit God's message under the unction of the Holy Ghost, so will the true apostles deliver the message of the Lord Jesus under the true unction of the Holy Ghost, not their word, but His word. Now, the apostles are called to do that. Every God-called man is called to do the same thing. Do you believe that? I believe it too. As Christ declared God's image, God's name, and God's presence. Even so, Father, have I manifested thy name to the men which thou hast given me. Now, I have manifested thy name, but I'll call your attention back to it. We have not one record in Scripture where Jesus ever verbally mentioned the Father's name, but he was not talking about so much saying the Father's name but manifesting the Father's name which was the word interpreted. So he manifested the Father's name by the life that he lived and the works that he had. He said if you cannot believe me then believe me for the very works sake themselves. If you struggle with me and you can't see who I am, can you imagine the mercy of God extending beyond his personality was so great no one should have ever missed him. But the grace of God 
God wanted them to believe so bad that he said, look, okay, if you're struggling with me as a person and you can't see who I am as a person, then believe me for the very works that I do. May I go and bring that on down? For those who struggle with the person of God's prophet and they struggle with the humanity of Brother Branham and they struggle with he said this and he said that, if they struggle with that, may they go beyond that and believe for the very work's sake that God did through the man. Praise the Lord. Believe for the very work's sake that God did through the man and you'll find that there's never been a man on the earth that had the supernatural. As he said himself, I've seen the Lord Jesus do more right here in Jeffersonville than he did his own ministry. Right? Because it was not Brother Random doing it, it was the Lord Jesus himself. So if they struggle with the humanity, my goodness, let them at least believe for the work's sake. No man can do these things save God be with him. Well, praise the Lord. Now, notice then in verse 19, and Jesus said, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now, there is no need, of course, for the Lord Jesus to set himself apart, as I said, that Jesus was struggling with women, and, and Jesus was struggling with drinking habits, and, and Jesus was struggling with whatever more they had sin in that day. He's not even talking about, in that term when we talked about sanctification. But he does not want to do anything that would set the apostles apart from them being able to understand what his life was. Now, I've mentioned before, and I've mentioned again, that the Lord Jesus, as a man, could have been married. He could have fathered children. His physical anatomy was so much a man. He could have fathered children like every man in this building tonight. They wouldn't have been spoken word children and they would have had to have been born again just like you're born again because Jesus could not have passed unto them eternal life by natural power of begettle. Praise the Lord. But he knew that for some people it would struggle. They could not identify a redeemer as being totally sinless and being married to a wife and fathering children. So he said, I sanctify myself. Notice this, Brother Ram tells us in enticing spirits, Jesus in his prayer said, Father, I sanctify myself. Jesus becomes sanctified to the church. He could have got married. But he didn't do it. He becomes sanctified. He said, sanctify them, Father, to the truth. Thy word is the truth. Now keep in mind the example that I gave you of sanctification. So here is the sanctuary. So we do not brush our teeth in the sanctuary. I've got mouthwash back there in the bathroom. If I need to gargle mouthwash, I go back there and get me a dose of mouthwash. Would y'all want me to do this in church? Y'all be okay with that? Why not? There's just four inches that separates that. But this is sanctified, right? This is set apart. So I've got Gatorade back there. I've got water back there. If I need it, we get back there. We talk. We have trustee meetings. We have deacon meetings. We have things. And there's just four inches that separates us from there to there. But what's the difference? This is set apart. This is sanctified. It is hallowed as a place dedicated for what? Not for mouthwash. 
praise the Lord. It's not dedicated for, you know, foolishness and this and that and the other. So when you look at it, what was the Lord Jesus? So here he was. He was right among those that was getting married. He was right among those that were doing all these other things. And he said, I'm with them. I'm among them. But I will be set apart from them lest it should cause some of them now and some of them in the future to stumble. So I won't gargle mouthwash, so to speak. I won't, I won't do some of those things that in there will be perfectly legal to do outside of those walls and you go out and we dismiss tonight. And some of you will talk about your business and you'll talk about this and that and the other. But surely we all have more respect for the house of God not to do it in here. And you ever say, well, this is the house of God. So what's that out there? Well, it's part of the house of God. You understand? But this is sanctified, set apart by what? By the presence of God. So what is a lot of it? It is our attitude toward that holy place. You brothers that wear a cap, most of you would never enter those doors with your cap or your hat on. And if you did, oh my goodness, you'd feel awful. You'd, you'd just reach up and grab it and take it down. Your children, you don't want to run them on the floor, right? We don't want to laugh and talk before church. We don't want to sit in your life and talk after church. Yeah, you'll walk right through those doors, stand outside and laugh and talk. And there's four inches that divides you. Why is it? It's your mindset that you have set this place apart. So it's something, is that right? Now when visitors come in, and we have them all the time, they come in off the street, and they notice that you're quiet, and they're noticing how you're dressed and all of that, and they know they're not at their normal church, and they know that they're in a different place because at their church, they say, hey, how was your day? How you been today? Well, I mean, you're cranking around looking at them that you want to be slain right here in the house of God. You want the judge of God to set you on fire right here. Why? Because to you, that is so repulsive. Why? Because in your mind, in your heart, this is set apart. Oh, hallelujah. And Jesus said, Father, I have set myself apart from them. He was rubbing shoulders with them. He was not against marriage. He was not a preaching the celibacy gospel that you do not get married. Praise the Lord. But yet he himself was right among it and no doubt as a man he would have longed to have that no doubt as a man there was things that he could have done that was not wrong and not sinful but he said I will sanctify myself I will set myself apart four inches as we'd say from the other side of that wall and I will not do it but he was so close to it that he looked at it brother Rod and would have saw what how nice it would have been to have a wife and Jesus to be able to have a house to go to and had children whenever he got done preaching and a wife that could come and lay her hands on him and say you've done a good job you've done a great job thank you thank you and you know you know the Lord Jesus you mean he needed that well he needs you now I said he needs you now and wants you to praise him and love him what makes you think he wouldn't want it as a man 
But he knew, as I said, it would cause people to stumble, so he set himself apart. It was not that he was worlds apart. It wasn't that Jesus being on the earth, he was totally man and totally God. But he was sanctified and set apart. Oh my, he could have a headache. He could get sick. He could get weary. He could feel fear. He could, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. He could feel anxiety. So he was not so set apart that he was as if here he was, the, the, uh, the earth and the moon is thousands of miles off and the sun millions of miles off. No, he was set apart and sanctified for the work of the Father. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you this. I don't think that's just for Jesus. I think we as a bride also must be sanctified and set apart and separate. This is one thing that makes us different from the church, friends. There's good people out there and they love God and many of them are doing all they know to do. But a wife is set apart or sanctified to her husband. Would you want ever your wife running around with every man and going up and hugging every brother's neck here in the church? I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't want my wife doing no such. Going around kissing the brothers on the cheek and been, you know, all that sort of thing. I ain't never whooped her in my life, but she'd probably get a good whooping if I catch her doing that. I don't have to worry about it because she ain't that kind of woman. Well, what, why don't she do that? She's set apart for me. She's sanctified for me. And that goes the same for men. Neither does she want me flirting with women. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Why? Because I'm sanctified and set apart for her. Now I can come through and shake sister's hand. So that don't mean that I'm a world apart from the rest of you. But I shake your hand. But I don't feel that same towards you as I feel toward my wife. What separates it? That veil of sanctification. We don't believe in free love around here. We don't believe in the men hugging the young women, old women middle-aged women well hallelujah why because we believe in sanctification I know some of the message folks don't so they go around hugging everybody you need to get sanctified well praise the Lord notice the prophet said he could have gotten married but he didn't do it he becomes sanctified he said sanctify them father to the truth thy word is the truth now let's lay aside every way if you got a temper you got something about you that you talk when you ought not to talk oh God lay it there now lay it there watch the fire of the altar come down and take it away now we're talking about being sanctified now watch how he brings it over now what is it it, it overcomes it overcomes over rather into our lives of sanctifying our tongue, sanctifying our eyes, sanctifying our mouths. Woo! Praise God. And then what happens to it? Then the fire from the altar comes and burns it off. Watch the love of God lick it up. Watch all that old selfishness. The way you've been talking to your wife. The way you've been talking to your husband. The way you've been talking to your neighbor. Lord have mercy. What in the world are we doing talking about sanctification and doing this? Some of you got the Holy Ghost and you're saying, well, praise God. I'm sealed. Hallelujah. I can do whatever I want to. You still got to live out sanctification. That's right. Notice he said the way you've been talking to your neighbor, the way you've talked about the people in the church. Some folks wouldn't have nothing to talk about if they didn't talk about church people. You need to get sanctified. You need to sanctify and put a veil around your mouth. Amen, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Preach, Brother Donnie. Glory to God, Brother Donnie. I'm with you. Amen, Brother Donnie. Hallelujah. 
The way you've talked about the people in the church led on the altar this morning. The fire of God will come down and take it right away and divine love will burn. Oh, I love that. Will burn in its place. If you've got sickness, lay it on the altar. Say, Lord, here it is. Create in me a clean spirit. Create in me a healing power. Praise God. See what God will do. God will do it this morning. I love the way he runs this parallel now of the Lord Jesus into the church. Adoption, he said, Jesus gave him, talking about Peter, the keys to the kingdom. In St. John 17, 17, he sanctified and gave them power, sent them out, cast out devils and things, sanctify them through thy Father, through thy truth, thy word is truth. I sanctify myself because of them. That's one of the sweetest words I ever heard. Now think of how profound this was, that Brother Branham, of all the words of the Bible, you imagine all the words of the Bible, that these would be some of the sweetest words. Now he didn't say boldest, he didn't say strongest, he didn't say the most doctrinal, but he called them sweet. Wow. One of the sweetest words, listen to this, one of the sweetest words I ever heard. Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. Now does it do that to you when you read it? You know why? We're missing what he saw about it. Now there was something, why would he use the word sweet? I mean that's, you know, it sounds like a dessert or it sounds like, you know, a husband and wife or oh, people, oh, that was so sweet of you. That was so nice. That was so kind. That was so sweet. And yet we think of the Lord Jesus, the mighty God. He didn't say that's one of the most God things I ever heard. That's one of the most holy, awesome, that but sweet. Jesus has a sweet side. Come and taste. The Lord is good. Well, I hope you understand me. Some of you are looking at me really peculiar tonight. This is his sweet side. Now look who it's about. Glory to God. This sweet side is about his sweet heart. <laughs> Amen. These things have was being said was not about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those. It was being said about a special class of people. So, and even at this, he was not just saying this about the disciples there, but he's saying much of this in St. John 17 about the elect, the ecclesia of God, which are standing there and those which will come to him. No, the mediatorial work is given only to those and this mediatorial prayer is given only to those who believe in him. This is not for the sinner. This is not for everybody in the world. This is only for those starting there, right on down to our age. Jesus was saying this for me. I sanctify myself for Donnie's sake. Put your name in there. I sanctify myself for Greg's sake. I sanctify myself for Carol. I sanctify myself. That's who I am. And then Brother Brandon picks it up and said one of the sweetest words. I have heard. Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. Do you know he had a right to have a home? 
He was a human, you know, right? He had a right to have a wife. He was a man. He had a right to all these things. But he said, Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. I sanctify. I was talking. Now watch how Brother Ram goes down the next paragraph and gives us, us a modern day example of what Jesus was saying. I was talking to a little preacher yesterday, going to preach for him in a few nights up here on the highway, and I asked him about a certain thing. He said, yes, Brother Branham, but the most of my people doesn't believe in that. And I said, most of them are legalist? Yes, brother. Yes, brother doesn't believe that. But he said, for their sakes, Brother Branham said, I wanted to smack him in the mouth. I wanted to take my Bible and hit him over the head and said, you compromising, low down, sorry, rotten, no good for nothing. Brother Brandon, we got to feeling kind of sweet. From Jesus. So he wanted to do what? Not hit the man. Hug him. Well, praise God. Isn't it amazing that a prophet would hear this pastor, that Brother Brandon's going to go preach for the guy. And he, you know, and he's mentioned some things to the brother about him, brother, and the pastor said, well, brother, Branham, most of my people don't believe this. So he said they're legalists, so they have a problem with predestination, which is what it was. So they have a problem with predestination, the election of God. Most of them are legalists, yes. And they said, brother, brother does not believe that. And I said, for their sakes. For their sakes. And, and uh, you know, most people, if they hear a pastor say this, say, he's a compromiser. He's a compromiser. He ain't got no right to stand on the pulpit. Isn't it amazing how we lose the spirit of what the prophet had? Oh, my. Now, we don't know all the particulars of this church and how long it was. No doubt if they're elective God, they'll come on in to whatever that truth was that they needed to see. But for the season, for the time of where they were, Brother Branham did not take this as a compromising state at all, but it brought something out of his heart that the pastor seeing more than what they saw, but for their sake, Brother Branham, maybe not go that way. For their sake, you know, I don't do this and do that, but in time, I I will in time I'll, I believe God will lead me on oh my goodness you understand friends there is a way to be able to deal with the people of God and we're not compromising brother Renham never rebuked this man and called him a compromiser brother Renham called his sanctification lets me know we need a whole lot more sanctification in our ranks Brother doesn't believe that, but he said, for their sake. Oh, I wanted to hug his neck for their sake. I sanctify myself for their sake. Jesus was training 12 men that through those 12 men was to take the gospel to the world. And he said, for their sake, I sanctify myself. Make yourself for your neighbor's sake. For somebody else's sake. Now you see where this independent thing around them. I don't care what nobody thinks about me. You don't even understand the economy of God. I don't care what Happy Valley thinks about me. Well that shows you don't know what you're even talking about. Brother Branham said he was afraid the people of his community would not think that he was not a Christian. Things he would not do or go or whatever more because he was afraid they would think. And yet we're so, I don't care, bless God. If you don't care what the saints of God think about you, you need to be hit this altar before we close. Because you don't have what you think you've got. 
Well, I kind of figured it'd get this way when I got here. Notice, don't use your liberty for a cloak, said Paul, but sanctify yourself. Behave yourself in the neighborhood like a real Christian ought to. I don't care what people say. Look, friend, you're missing it. You're missing it if that's your attitude. That's not the attitude that comes with this message. My, let your communication, if you meet your enemy, pull out your gun. Oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's, um, that's Happy Valley uh, Acts, ain't it? That's evening light, tabernacle, that's the way folks act. If you meet your enemy, sanctify yourself for his sake, not knowing what you might do. But he owes me an apology. He ought to say this. He ought to say that. Look, friends, you've got to learn as a child of God to take the high road. I've had to take the high road many a time because Jesus is my example, not people. I've had to apologize for things that I wasn't a bit more guilty of than this pulpit was guilty of because I knew the person I was dealing with, it was not in them to do it. So I knew that somebody was going to have to do it. I'll do it because I want to be like Jesus. Well, pray. Well, bless God. She owes me an apology. He owes me an apology. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. That's not the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of the devil. Let me say it again. It is the spirit of the devil. Well, if they ask me to forgive them, then I'll think about it. No, the Lord Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They never even ask for forgiveness. But he said, forgive them, Father. What was he doing? Sanctifying himself. There he was, my, getting ready to die once again, leaving an imprint on the mind of these apostles that was there, sanctifying himself. Oh, he could have called the judgment of God down. He could have called the wrath of God down, but he never done it. Remember? when James and John Lord shall be called fire down out of heaven and destroy them he said you don't even know what spirit you're of Mm -hmm. well thank you Jesus my dear sweet darling wife told me that she thought we had John the Baptist here preaching for us on Sunday morning I think old brother John must have lingered over to Wednesday night Now notice he said, if you meet your enemy, sanctify yourself for his sake, not knowing what you might do. Well, Brother Donnie, you don't understand, it's hurt me so bad and this and that and the other. And he ought to, but friend, he may not be hearing what you're hearing. It may not be in him to rise above. Now, we want this one to do this and this and to that. Ain't there none of us among us that's got the spirit of Christ and wants to walk the way Christ did? Or we just think Christ heals the sick and raises the dead and casts out devils. There's much more to Jesus than miracles. Listen to this again in fellowship. I think the sweetest scripture that there is in all the Bible is this scripture. Can you imagine of all the scriptures in the Bible. But he uses this adjective over and over again in the message, sweetest. Why? It's got to do with sweetheart. Why? He's not saying this for the sake of the world. 
He's not saying this for the sake of the cosmos, but Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. He was a man. He could have had a wife. He was a man. He could have had a home, place to lay his head. He had rights to that. He was a man. He could have had good clothes. He was a man, but what did he say? Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. Again, there's another pathetic thing. I think one of the most pathetic words that Jesus ever said. Now notice it reaches from sweet to pathetic. When he said, Father, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified. In other words, he had a right. He was a man. He had a right to a home. had a right to a family. He was a man as much man as you and I are or I am. As human in his manhood as we are. He had a right to it. But he was training 12 men that was going to take the gospel to all the world. He sanctified himself for their sake. So here's Peter with a wife. Peter with a daughter. Peter with a mother-in-law. Just on the other side of the wall. And Jesus would see men with their wives and men with their family. But he was on this side of the wall. Father, I come through the door of humanity. It's there in me. I would like to have that. I long for that. I wish I could have it, but I'll have to wait for my bride for some time later. Praise God. I'll have to wait for my bride when they can all gather around me on the throne of God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A gift of God keeping his self sanctified. So notice what the gift of God did there. Then for the sake of the gift of God, it was not to blow Jesus up, make people think great about the humanity, but to bring it under submission to the Lord. Oh, gifts of God. You people who claim you've received his spirit, keep yourself sanctified. Yes, sir. Keep away from the things of the world. Be sanctified. And some of y'all was thinking it just had to do with spitting ambier out of your mouth and getting the yellow off between your fingers and smoking cigarettes. Friend, there's much more to sanctification than smoking. There's more to sanctification than drinking or more to sanctification than not being able to keep your eyes off the opposite sex. Sanctification is a constant ongoing work. It is an ongoing work. The work of sanctification is what works in our lives whenever people trespass against us and our old flesh on the other side of the veil on the other side of the veil would want to rear up and post something on Facebook or this or that or the other. But remember, you're in the holiest of holies. You're in the holiest of holies. Father, I sanctify myself. I sanctify myself. I've got every right to say this and that and the other, but I'm not going to do it, God. Oh, and then you want to be like Jesus? You say, I'm not like Jesus. You women think you're not like Jesus? When you're living a life lived by the word, you are living like Jesus. My praise be to God. And the church said, Oh, hallelujah. But there, let's skip down now to St. John 17 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now, meaning his immediate apostles, which are there that have believed. And receive, but Jesus sees the expansion of the gospel. He knows that for thousands of years there will be believers, and much of it will come about through the logos of these men. 
Praise God. But it's only for those who believe in him. Now the benefits of Christ's mediatorial work is not for those who say they believe in God. It's not for those who, well, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus, yeah, I, I believe that. It's, it's not, no. It, it, they're, they're, they'll never receive the full benefit of that mediatory position until they are in him. Believing in him. In him believing. Not believing on him. Believing on a person that you're not acquainted with. It's believing in him. In him believing. I and them, you and them, me and them. It's in him believing. You see, for many, this is the way they preach the gospel. Well, we're believing on him. That's good, and that'll get you saved, and it'll keep you out of hell, but it'll never put you in the rapture. In order to be in the rapture, you've got to be believing in him. Oh, you're not getting it. It's in him believing. You are in him. His believing is now transferred to you. And you are under glory to God. You're under the expiatory power of the blood of the Lord Jesus. And you are in him believing. You are in Christ. It's no harder for you to believe God's word than it was him to believe God's word. Because it is him in you believing his own word. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want you to notice the whole design of the gospel is basically designated upon this, this law of the scripture coming down through the entirety of the New Testament. So everything about the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus is based upon the same thing. That people must be in him believing, not just believing on him. Now, of course, the sinner cannot be in him believing, so they believe on him until they come. Depending upon how close they will arrive at his presence and at the gates of the sanctuary, the house of God, if they ever go far enough in behind the veil they will be in him believing if they're at the outer court they're believing on him who's behind the veil they come up to the second court and they get sanctified they're still believing on him who's behind the veil but he's still a mystery to them they don't understand him he's not in them they are not in him he's still another realm oh I wish somebody would hear me tonight he's still in another realm beyond their perception beyond their understanding but if they're ever able by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the fire of God falls upon them and annihilates that nature and they go in behind the veil then they are in him believing and they believe from there they believe in the second realm in sanctification they believe in the outer realm of justification they believe the gifts they believe every word that comes from God because they are in him believing they are not on the outside believing on him who is still this mysterious person but they are in him believing and they are hallelujah they have the ability to say I and my father are one amen because it's not them believing on an individual that they do not know you see the very same language reflected to the blessings of God go beyond Salvation. It goes to every aspect of the true power of redemption come down through the New Testament. So, does it come down then to forgiveness of sin? Yes. What about pardon of sin? Absolutely. Luke 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So the expiation of the power of the blood can only come to those who hear it preached and those who believe the power of it. So the law of scripture is exactly the same. The mediatorial work of the Lord Jesus is only beneficial to those who will receive its full benefit. 
this. As much as you will allow God him, himself inside of you to believe, that's what you'll find. Your whole life's journey is you and I allowing ourselves to be submitted to the presence of God and surrender to the presence of God. And the more we surrender, the more he in us takes his own word and believes his word and manifests it out of our lives. Then it's the Father in us as it was the Father in the Lord Jesus. This is why people struggle. They struggle to do this and they struggle to do that. Why? It's still them. But get Jesus in you. Hallelujah. Jesus in you can live that word. Jesus in me can live that word. Me wanting to do it struggles. You wanting to do it struggles. Let's be honest. An intellectual faith finds it very hard and very difficult to keep God's word. Let's be fully honest. The intellectual faith time finds it totally impossible to keep it all. But a real revelated faith knows that God believes his own word. God said, let there be light. God believed his own word. The prophet brings it on down and God in you will believe his own word. Intellectual faith in you will take God as an outside source. I want to believe it. I want to. I really, really want to. That's the struggle. That's the struggle. It's you trying to convince your intellectual faith that it's right. Somebody else will come and tell you that it ain't, and then you're back to square one again. But let the author of the word himself come in behind your veil. Then he pulls you in behind his veil, and you are, well, glory to God. There you are. Hope you don't choke you to death. There you are, the unveiling of God. The real you is not this human part that you so struggle with anyway. The unveiling of God is the unveiling of that Logos. This is the mystery. When the bride can see who she is, then the rapture will go. When she sees what? A struggling human? A struggling mortal? A mortal that's sick? A mortal that has problems? You mean that's going to give you rapturing faith? Of course it won't. But if you're able to look beyond your humanity, your weakness, and realize there's a part of you that never did start, there's a part of you that never did have a beginning, it didn't have a day it started, it cannot end. That's the real part of you, brother, sister. That's the part that's in Christ Jesus. Notice Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them. Peter said unto them. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This word cannot come to pass. Until they come under the power of the blood to forgive them of their sins. And they believe the Holy Ghost is formed. We've quoted this for years and years. Been, dec- been preached for decades and centuries actually. And yet many people still can't grasp it. Oh, I'm not sure if it's for me. Oh, why did God? say it Acts 10 43 to give him all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins it's a forgiveness of sins it's also a justification Acts 13 39 and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses Romans 5 9 much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him but that only works if you allow that promise to be made manifest in your life well I'm not good enough neither am I well I can never 
never be able to erase all my sins. Neither could I. Neither will I. Oh, I just can't do it. I just can't believe God loves me that much. Well, you've got to believe either that or you've got to believe the lie of the devil. You choose whichever one you want. I don't say I understand why God loves me, but if he says he does, I'll take his word for it. Why not? Why shouldn't I? The devil, God says he loves me. The devil said he don't. God voted for me. The devil votes against me. Depends on which way I cast my vote. I believe I'll vote for God. It's that simple. It's sanctification the same way. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Oh, yes. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. Which means you couldn't be Catholic because they can only be saints after they're dead. I'm called to be a saint right now. Hey, for, look, friends, I, I mean, I, if I go over the way of the grave, I'm not going to have to wait. And y'all try to survey me for about 250 years and, and figure if I'm a saint or not. Y'all ought to know by now whether I am. I should be able to know by the life you all live, whether you are or not. Paul wasn't talking about saints in the future. He said, there's some saints among them now. I believe there's some saints. You know what the word saint means? Sanctified ones. That's what a saint is. It is a sanctified one. A room that is set apart. A room that is dedicated for the Holy Ghost to live in. Amen. Called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. First Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hebrews 2.11 For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause? He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Praise God. Hebrews 10.10 By which we are all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And the church said... So these men, hearing the Lord Jesus say this. Let's read verse 20 again now. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their logos. Oh. So the Lord Jesus believed these men would speak logos? This is what the Greek word is now. Logos, W-O-R-D, Logos. So he did not consider them to be Dathan and Korah if they preached. Hallelujah. It's getting warm in here already. Wow. So the Lord Jesus did not say now that that neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through these men reading what I've said to them. Or repeating what I've said and memorizing what I've said. But many will believe, so I'm praying for them who will believe on me through their impartation of the Logos, through the divine gift given to them. And each one will say it a little bit different. 
Peter would say it one way, John would say it another, Paul would say it another, but yet it was the Logos or the concept of God that was going to be uttered through the mouth of these men. Well, that about makes me feel like shouting. Amen. Now remember, this is the beginning of the gospel. It was not message people who designed how this was going to be. It was not the denominations who designed how this was going to be. It was the Lord Jesus himself. So if you've got a problem, argue with him about it. But the Lord Jesus believed that it was so absolutely essential for these men to be sent, he could have allowed tape recorders to be invented right here in this time frame. They could have had digital recorders and recorded the literal voice of God and all the apostles would have done would have went around through the city and push play and literally had the very same voice that created the worlds. Right? Well, praise God. They could have heard the very same voice if he so wanted it. Why, you know the science has only been allowed to break into these things because the mercy of God allowed them to do it. He could have allowed them to do it right here in 30 AD. And they could have literally recorded the literal voice of God. But Jesus said, in reality, I don't need to record the voice of God. My men will be my voice. Now, although for some around this message, for preachers who preach, they are called Dathan and Korah and Demas and whatever other name can be thought of. Now remember, Brother Branham said that he believed the bride would be forced to stop preaching the gospel. Isn't it amazing he didn't say they'd be stopped, forced to stop playing tapes? But forced so we can see the power of the beast that will forerun the tribulation period that will stop through a forced religion of trying to force the bride, not by law now, but by intimidation. You see, to try to make the preachers who feel they are called to say something. So a preacher that has a website feels like he's got something to say. A preacher who goes out and preaches and don't play tapes, he feels like he's got something to say. So he's a Dason or he's a Korah. Because he feels like what he's got to say is important. Well, I mean, I don't know too much, and I didn't graduate from high school, and I don't have no degrees like a lot of you smart folks do. But it don't make no sense to me that God would call a preacher to preach and not let him preach. I mean, I'm not too smart, but I mean, maybe y'all can help me with this after church in my office, if you'd like. Uh, Since the gospel was set forth to go preach the word. Praise the Lord. And yet today, if men do that, then they are called Dathan and Chorus. What we'd like to do, and we'll only get in just a little bit tonight, but what we'd like to do is look at Dathan and Korah and see if I am one. And see if Brother Darrell is one, and Brother Horn, and the rest of the ministers, and the ministers that, that we know of around the world. And let's just pull back the word and see if we are Dathan and Korah. And if we are, then I would advise you folks to leave or vote me out.
Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Hizhar, the son of Koaz, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliad, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Now, Koaz, of course, being a grandson of Jacob, this is actually a great-grandson of Levi. So the first thing that we want to look at about Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and On, every one of them are family members of Moses. So to make me a non-Branham breaks your type. From the get-go, let's just start at verse 1. And, okay, I, I'm not kin to Brother Branham as far as naturally. I am spiritually, we're brothers. So Korah, Dason, Abiram. Now Korah comes from the Kohathites. The Kohathites are a branch of the family of Levi, but they are not those who are allowed to go into the presence of God. They are the tribe, the sub-tribe that is identified to be able to carry the furniture of the house of God. So whenever the temple or the tabernacle rather is taken down, they go in, they take it down, they wrap it up, they put it on their shoulders and so on, but they're not allowed to carry the word. They cannot be able to take the, the ark, they cannot take the word, neither can they go in to offer the atonement, they cannot go into the Shechem, the presence of God, but they simply move the furniture. So they're the furniture movers of the house of God. Now, whether or not we like it, somebody has to move the furniture. But the problem is, those that were designated as furniture movers thought they should have been the high priests of the whole thing. Now, this is their argument. So, Korah being one of them, and it just so happens that where these guys all live, now, the Kohathites and also the Reubenites live on the same side of the tabernacle. So they sit in the same side of the church, we'll say. Amen. Or the same pew, or the same fellowship circle, however you want to term it. So, you know, they had all this time, so they lived together on the same side of the tabernacle. So whenever they went to complaining and griping about this and that and the other, they didn't have to cross from over on the other side of the camp to be able to discuss their problems and their issues with the leadership because they just live right next door neighbor to one another. Now that can be good, but it all depends on your neighbor. And you. <laughs> oh my. Now, a great grandson of Levi, uh, he was actually a cousin to Moses and Aaron. So Korah is a cousin to Moses and Aaron. Dason and Abiram are descendants of Reuben. Now remember Reuben, he was the firstborn, he should have got the birthright, he should have got the priesthood, he should have got the greater portion, but he went into his father's wife. So his father tells him, uh, you know, you're the beginning of my strength, unstable, weak as water. Oh, my, I mean, he lets him have it. And so the, the birthright was taken from him and divided among his brethren. Now, here's his descendants, and they're still having issue with this. 
Now, something else also, I don't know if you ever noticed it or not, but there's also another Kohathite, which was the fourth one down. Now, actually, Korah was the number one descendant coming into this generation. He should have been the one that was in charge of the whole Kohathite clan, as they called it. But actually, the number four down, which was from another brother, a younger one, was actually named to be the head leader of the Kohathite clan. So here was Korah that was made subject. Now, Korah being, Korah being an older man, he was made subject to this younger guy. And Moses, for whatever reason, no doubt we believe, being led of the Spirit of God, applied this and let this man be the leader of the Kohathites. All right, now, y'all getting the picture, ain't you? Okay, now we're talking about Dason, Korah, Abidim, Abathor, and on, and 250 famous men that are going to come up against Moses, and as many message folks fail to read it, Aaron. It is message tradition that Dason, Korah, and Abiram were coming against Moses only and wanting only Moses' place. Brother Branham never taught any such thing, nor does the Bible. Well, hallelujah. It ain't you all I'm smelling now. It's me. I'm just smelling me in the future after this sermon tonight. So Moses and Aaron's father and Korah's father are brothers. So then Dathan, Korah, and Abiram and all them are not men that were under Moses that was trying to take Moses' place. It was actually part of Moses' family. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, discontent with the preferment that was given to those, you know, that it seemed that Moses didn't really care for. I believe Moses was led of God, don't you? No doubt Moses really in his own heart, Brother Dale, when God, the Spirit of God laid it on his heart to say, let Aaron be your priest. Moses knew them people. And Moses, no doubt thinking... Lord, are you kidding? Do you realize what that's going to do to me? There ain't nobody here to hear you tell me this. There's no witnesses up here on the mountain. You know what they're going to say. You know what they're going to say. They're human. Yeah, sure, God told you. God, please, don't, don't let it be my brother. Don't let it be Aaron. Let it be somebody else. Lord, I'm not questioning you, but I just know this is going to cause me problems. Folks ain't changed much, have they? Oh, my. Now, these all camp on the south side of the camp of the presence of God. Now, here in Korah has a problem. Dathan and Abiram, their problem is a little bit different. 250 famous men among the congregation. Uh, they have some type of qualm, you know, uh, some complaint. But what I've always found myself in looking at issues like this is whenever you find a complaining, seditious situation that tries to rise in a family or in a church or even in a move, such as our move, the message of the hour, that most of the time, you will have a stated reason for the reason we're doing this. 
you will find a stated cause. This is thoroughly thought through. This is planned. It's very well worded. It's very well given much thought to so that they can be able to present it to the public. Now this is the stated reason. And then there's also a hidden reason or hidden cause. Now you can see these men as they go to approach and we'll get to you momentarily that as they go to approach Moses that they have their stated reason but their stated reason is absolutely a lie it is not the truth well I do have the advantage on you I know where I'm going and you don't so so whenever you find this rebellion then you'll always find this there among them so you've got this element of people that are discontented that are waiting for an opportunity that know that their voice won't be enough so they'll get others that's you know going to join with them so the hidden reason was that Korah would be able to move into not only him but also his brethren they would be able to move into the higher position now it's amazing because out of the tribe of Levi they were all called Levites but all Levites were not priests, but all priests were Levites. All bride are called out, the church, but all the church aren't bride. All the bride are the called out, but all the church, you understand? So here is the Levites, but the Levites is broken into subgroups, which is the Kohathites, and these these move the furniture, this do this, this do that. But just because you're a Levite did not mean you get to go in the presence of God. Now Corinth looks at himself, as many do today and have down through time, that they feel like they're not being used for their full potential. So they could do so much more. And you know, the pastor just don't recognize them. Other people in the church, oh, they could do this and that and the other. And oh, I'm just so, I'm so held back because of this and that. Well, people ain't changed much since number 16-1, have they? My, my, the longer I go, the quieter it gets. But you see, Korah was not satisfied in assisting the priest he wanted to be one. But you see, it takes much more character to be a captain than a corporal. Unless you got in there by politics. Now, I don't know how you'd feel about it. If I was in the military and I had some man over me, I'd want a man with character. I wouldn't want a man looking for medals. I wouldn't want a man looking for his picture on CNN. He's got my life in his hands. Praise the Lord. He's got my life in his hands. I want a man there, Brother Mark, that's reputable. I want a man who says, you go over here, you go over there. I want a man that's thinking about my life. Praise the Lord. I want a man thinking about my wife at home, my children at home. I don't want this man thinking, well, if I do this, I could do that, and I could become this, and I could become that. I don't want that kind of man to be my leader. Send him back in the kitchen. Let him cut on taters, not cut on me. Come on, saints. Well, it's the same way with preachers. I don't want no man being my leader that his main interest is himself. And men whose revelations and dreams and prophecies and this and that and the other is all about how great they are and the bride is nothing. Absolute, absolute nonsense. And trash of the devil. Well, hallelujah. If all my sermons is about me and leaves you out, I'm under a false anointing. Brother Branham's sermons was not all about him and how great he was and how wonderful his church was. It was how great the Lord Jesus was and how great this elect body was. 
Well, praise God. God had chosen Moses to be the leader and God had chosen his brother to be. Now keep in mind now, we're talking about men like myself, Brother Terry Horn, Brother Mike Price, Brother Tim, Brother Ron, on and on and on and on. Brothers who feel like they are called to preach, to be likened unto these men. Now keep this in mind as we compare it. We'll look at it tonight and next time we look at it. And ask yourself, is this Brother Donnie? Is this what I see in Brother Donnie? Is this what I see in Brother Horn that I take offense to Brother Donnie being called that when he is not that? And let me tell you something. You take an offense in half the story. Almighty God takes major offense. And one of these days, these folks that are doing it are going to stand before God and be judged because they won't be in the rapture. You see, the selfish desire for greatness and authority, it's a common denominator among men. It's absolutely a common thing. So Korah could not be satisfied being where he was. So, you know, it's the same thing whether it's Korah uh, coming against Moses and Aaron or Absalom coming against his father David or Adonijah claiming the crown or, uh, you know, those men in the New Testament fussing and arguing and debating diatrophies that John wrote about him. It's never died. You know why? Because it is the same spirit that started the revolt in heaven. Friends, it is satanic. Look, do you understand the majority of these splits that happen around the message church? You know where the foundation, many of them come from? Sure, there comes a time when people have to leave. A man leaves the words, you leave him. That's what the word tells us. But many of them is not because men leave the word. It's because you got a jealous man sitting there that wants to be something that he ain't. And he gets among the people and tries to raise, well, preach, Brother Donnie. Tries to raise a revolt. Oh my, do you understand? The most important place that any of us can ever have is the one God predestinated for us to have. That is the greatest position. That, that ought to be the most profound thing of your life is that you, after your new birth, that the greatest position you could ever have is that place that God himself gave you. Not one that you've got to make room for it and push this one and push that one. Get this one out of the way and step on people. Forget about it. God never leads his people to do such. My friends, the important thing is not status, fulfilling status, but faithfulness. Every member of the church of the body of Christ, each one of you have a spot. I no doubt many of you, well, I'm nobody. Brother Donnie don't even hardly know me. I never get to see him. I've never been out to him. I ain't nobody. I ain't nobody. Every one of you that God sent here is important. But it's the way we look at importance. We need help from God. Oh, my. Can we go on a little more? Watch, let's go over here now to verse 2. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, now remember Korah, Dathan, Abiram, on great, great grandsons of Jacob. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. 
Praise God. So they go among these famous people and they raise up among Moses. Amen. What are you waiting on, Brother Donnie? Oh, I'm waiting for some of y'all to settle down a little bit. Get your nerves all calmed down, you know, so you don't get too hyper here. I don't want you to pass out. Men of renown or men of high name. Men that had some sway among the congregation. Verse 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Moses. Now, Brother Terry, you don't mean to tell me the Bible says Aaron. Well, where does this tradition come from in our ranks? They was only after Moses. Tradition is wrong, whether it's Pentecostal tradition, Baptist tradition, or message tradition. Brother Renham never fathered that. It's the people around him. This is what your Bible says. Remember, Brother Branham was a word prophet. He could not teach anything contrary to Scripture. And he did not. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. Now this is their said. This is their public statement. We're here in defense of the people. We want a democracy. We're setting up voting balance and we're going to let the people vote who they want to be. Moses, you're trying to be king. and You want your brother to be the high priest. We are here to represent the people. Lie, lie, lie. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto him, them. So it was not the ministry that God called ministry Aaron that was trying to get Moses the prophet's position? Really? So it was these men who were not called to handle the word? That was wanting to get in pulpits and handle the word and tell them who were called to handle the word how they ought to handle it. And that is, sit down, shut up, and push play. So what's amazing is the folks calling us Dathan and Cora, actually Dathan and Cora themselves. Well, here we go. Round 382. <laughs> What is wrong with these people? Did they think Moses wanted this? This is the man who run from this call. He was not looking for it. Hey God, hey God, I'm your man. That man ain't going to do nothing for God. The man who wants to do it is not even called of God in the first place. Well, hallelujah. It's the man who's running from it. Oh, Brother Donnie, I'm running from it with an iPad and three Bibles and 37 strong concordances and 82 sermons already studied out and you're running from it? You're a liar. I said you're a liar. Sweet Jesus. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. Every
every one of them. Oh, now that gets a lot of amens. Amen. 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 Boy, people love hearing that said about them. Amen. Moses all the time burning our hearts and this and that and the other. Now we got somebody that understands. You're right, he does. He understands how foolish most sheep really are. He understands that goats can blink so much like a sheep that many sheep will follow them straight to the slaughter. Thank God you are sheep of the Holy Ghost. Oh, brother, don't you believe sheep can be led astray? Yep, they can be led astray, but they won't stay astray. We've all been led astray, haven't we? Let me close. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Ooh, now boy, that sounds like a real sermon, don't it? But they're taking it out of context. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. So from what we've seen thus far, does it look like to you that God called men that are called to preach the gospel, that are trying to promote the word of God? Does that look like to you they should be called Dathan and Korah? Should they be identified as Demas and screamed out over the internet waves as being Demas? Myself, okay? I know a lot of brothers around the world. I don't know of one Holy Ghost-filled preacher that preaches against listening to tapes. I don't know of one Holy Ghost-filled preacher that forbids his people. As a matter of fact, the ones I know encourage their people to do so. Right? But the problem is, or the difference, let me say it this way. The difference is, is that whenever I hear Brother Branham say, now take the tapes and go into the cool of your room. It's it's so amazing that you never hear that quote quoted. It does not fit the Dathan Cora agenda. Look at it, friends. Satan does not have to pass laws in this country that it will be a sin, it will be against the law to preach against homosexuality. He does not have to pass laws in this country that it will be a a, a law, breaking the law to preach against abortion. All he's got to do is up the social pressure. So then if the preacher has heard that he preaches against homosexuality, they're bombarded with social pressure. People show up at their church marching around, and then what do a lot of them do? They start preaching it. So then the pressure is turned on them, and they were forced to stop preaching. The 
won't be laws, no doubt, passed in this land where it'll be against the law for message preachers to preach and play tapes. But it will be the same worldly way. Can't you see how this move is so much of the Antichrist? It uses the same channels as the world does with their homosexual agenda. And you want to tell me that's God? What's it for? To create pressure. To intimidate God call me and to make them feel like they're evil and wrong. If you're not familiar with this, maybe you can go back and read this. When this happens, the Bible goes on to tell us when they came before Moses, Brother Dale, that Moses fell on his face. That'll give you a good idea anytime you're looking at dissension, difficulties, problems in families, homes, churches, and moves. Most generally, the one with the right spirit will always be the one to try to humble themselves and bring a peaceful resolve. The other one will loud and boast and scream and holler. And, you know, they'll try to find allegiance with this one and that one. Come on, children, no sinner look at me like in a one time. Man. You sit in your own homes. Watch your kids if they rebel against what you believe and what you teach. Watch them try to get a friend among somebody in our church that they think goes along with them. You think they're closer to you than they're all their mom and dad. The truth of it is they view you as a compromiser. Y'all see me at Walmart tomorrow. I will work for food. I'll be voted out after tonight, won't I? Oh, my. Praise God for the truth. So what are we going to do, Happy Valley? Are we going to succumb to the pressure? Or we just don't mention, we don't mention gay marriage no more. We, we don't mention it's wrong for a man to be married to, to a man. Uh, we, we, do, we just don't feel led to preach against abortion. We don't feel led to strike against this Antichrist move around the message. We just don't feel led. You coward. That ain't nothing but a cop out. What is it? The pressure works. You don't tell me that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't feel intimidation. All the nations of the world that was gathered there, falling down, that was bad enough. And they look out there and they see their own message brothers and sisters. People that called on Adonai and worship Yahweh. And they see them bowing down. And who was they bowing to? The image of the prophet Daniel. Look, friends, I'll preach it to you years ago, and I'll preach it again and again and again if, I, if it need be. That devil is not making me bow to no created image of Brother Branham. Brother Branham was not God. He was a man. Praise the Lord. I refuse to bow. I will not be intimidated. The truth has made us free. <laughs> Amen. Can you imagine? I'm close. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus 
was able to look down through time. Look past Luther, Wesley, Pentecost. Look right up where we are. He knew he would take his prophet. He knew all these men would raise up with all these isms down through the years. He knew this one would raise in the last days to try to get us to bow to the image of Brother Renner. To make every word infallible. Every word that went out of his mouth. I'm sorry, I do not believe that. Well, no, let me restate that. I am not sorry because that's what he believed. Oh, Brother Donnie, oh, listen to it. 1963, I've told you to be careful what you listen to. Remember when he stood that Sunday morning and preached about Martin Luther King and he's preaching about, you know, he's going to lead a million people to their death? Brother and Sister Humes, Brother Tim Humes, mother and father, run into Brother Branham at the grocery store after the Sunday morning service. Said, Brother Branham, was that a word from the Lord? He said, well, no, Sister Humes. She's the one asked him. No, that wasn't. Well, said, those people leaving the service just saying that that was thus saith the Lord. He said, no, that was not. So Brother Branham took a pen and started writing it on his hand. An ink pen, writing it on his hand. Said, Sister Humes, write that question out and lay it on the pulpit tonight. So when Brother Branham comes to church on Sunday night, he reads that question. Was that a prophecy or was that you saying that? He said, I've told you to be careful because there's so much of this that's the human part. You hypocrites that won't read that, you're false, you're liars. Brother Ben said, I was not prophesying. I could have been wrong on that. I'm just saying, Martin Luther, I'm just saying that it could be. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that it was. Can't you see what a place it put the people in? That they was hanging on to every word, but they wouldn't listen carefully enough to hear him say, look, there's so much of this that's human. But when it comes anything from him, it'll be thus saith the Lord. You ever find Jesus saying that? wonder why. Well, if every word Brother Branham said was thus saith the Lord, then why at certain times did he need to say thus saith the Lord, and other times he didn't need to say thus saith the Lord? Well, that's why we need preachers. <laughs> Amen. Friends, can you believe it? When Jesus was praying that, he had the ability and power of vision to look right up and see me standing right here tonight, preaching this, seeing you standing there, nodding your head, saying amen. That's right, Lord. That's right. And him saying, I pray for them who will believe on me as their ministers speak the Logos. So do we hate those who go this other way? Of course not. We pray for them. We pray for them. That God will open their eyes and help them to realize the focus in this hour is not looking for another scripture of how to make Brother Branham greater than he is, but to find your own place in the Word of God. Recognizing Brother Branham as a prophet of Malachi 4 will not put you in the rapture. You've got to find who you are. Amen. Well, if y'all want me to leave, I'll leave. Y'all want to vote somebody else in, we can have an election this weekend, I reckon. 
Amen. Oh, I love him, don't you? I love you too. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, how we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, many of these things break our hearts. Lord, if these people knew one little portion of this nonsense that's going on, it would just so, so break their hearts. But Father, we know it must come. The carnal ones must be around. and We must, must deal with it. But Lord Jesus, I pray that we as the true ministers of God can be able to proclaim your word, not our word, not our thoughts, our opinions. It's not our kingdom. We're not interested in a Reagan kingdom or a Horn kingdom or a Pruitt or a Spencer kingdom. We're interested in the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord. Does it make me feel sad whenever I'm called Dathan? Yes. Does it make me feel intimidated whenever I'm referred to as Korah, Abiram? I'm called a lot worse than that. Does it make me feel the human element, feel that? Yes, you know me. You know it does. But Lord Jesus, it also makes me want to keep preaching your word like never before. Because I see the need to preach greater than ever before. Lord, I know. I know some folks don't see no need in having church three times a week. Probably some of our folks would like to cut it down. They'd like to have Saturday night. Because Saturday night's a big grocery shopping night and a big night to go here and go there and do this and that. And some folks, they, they really would just like to have Saturday night. And they'd like to cut it back to just, just having Wednesday and Sunday. And then some of them would probably like to cut it back or say, well, you know, they're in the middle of the week. I'm really tired and I'd really just like to have it Sunday morning. But my problem with that is, Lord, you told us to not forsake ourselves the same and ourselves together, and that much more as we see the day approaching. So instead of cutting back services because of this and that and the other, Lord, it looks like to me we should be going the other way. I pray God should help us as preachers, help us as laity to see our need, Father, of being in church. Not only just being there, but pulling on the gifts of God. Hallelujah. To hear the word. For if you established this gospel, and you did, then you were decreeing that out of the mouth of your men would come the Logos. So what does it make a lot of these message people who ridicule, laugh at, make fun of anointed servants of God who are preaching the word? And calling them names and making practical jokes out of them. When out of their mouth is coming the Logos of God. Hide us, Lord Jesus, from that spirit. Protect us, O God, I pray, from that evil. What a blessed people we are. We're the only age that's been allowed to continue to hear the voice of our messenger after he was dead, gone, his body buried. What a blessed thing it is to be able to have his tapes. And what a thing that Satan has tried to turn it into a form of idolatry. Only one other move ever tried to stop preachers before with this great force. And that was the Catholic Church. Lutherans sent out preachers. Methodists sent out preachers. 
Pentecostal sent out preachers. Paul sent out preachers. Arrhenius sent out preachers. But the Catholic Church wanted preachers stopped. And they wanted to control it. So here we have the spirit of Catholicism right back in the message of the hour. We shouldn't be surprised, Lord. The prophet tells us the Catholic Church began on the day of Pentecost. So here we are back to an Omega bride, just like fell on the day of Pentecost. So here comes the message form of Catholicism starting right here among us. The Lord Jesus will go on. We'll press on. We'll fall on our face and cry for mercy. We'll fall on our face and ask you to intervene and move if you can, Lord. Because we don't desire to see anybody lost. We don't desire to see anybody go to hell, Lord. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray. Granted, Father, in Jesus' name. When the coal of fire had touched the prophet, making him as pure as pure could be, and the voice of God said, Who go for us? Then he answered, Lord, here am I. Send me. Speak, my Lord. Speak, my Lord. Speak, and I'll be quick to answer thee. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord, speak, and I will answer. Praise God. Lord, send me. And who does the prophet tell us in the church age book will be the final voice to the final age? These people under their messenger will become the final voice to the final age. The prophet said that's what we need in Jeffersonville is thousands of lived voices. You'll not be preachers, you'll not be prophets, you'll not be prophetesses, but you'll be the word made manifest. The message of the hour lived out a lived voice. Thundering out. Thundering out. He said, that's what shakes the devil. Praise God, friends. That's what shakes the devil. A life lived by the Word. Is that what we desire to be? The voice of God living out this message. People think they're paying a great, great tribute to Brother Branham by idolizing and making him deity. You're taking away from him. When they did that in 1961, he was going to come off the field and he told the brethren, you will be held responsible for it. To make me the person of Jesus Christ makes me antichrist. To make Brother Branham's literal voice the voice of God. Listen carefully. Why was that renamed from spoken word publications to the voice of God recordings look at the title and think carefully it tells you their belief I'm finally glad they're finally saying it 
So if you believed that, that that was the literal voice of God, I can see why you would not come to Happy Valley and hear me preach on Wednesday night or any other service. Why would you listen to me when you could turn on God? Well, hallelujah. But if you believe the voice of God is still speaking. Hi, you're a Dason. I'm not a Dason. I'm not a Korah. I'm a servant of God. You are servants of God with lived voices. So you believe, Brother Donnie, you have something to say. Well, apparently I did. I've been talking for the last hour and a half. Apparently I do. Apparently you all believe you have something to say. You do a lot of saying. Well, praise God. Everybody that I made mad, you can line up after church and hug my neck and give me $20. And I'll donate it to missions. How's that? I won't, even, I won't even spend a dime of it. I'll give it to mission. So everybody that's mad at me, those of you that's real mad, I'll take 500 from you. Because there's about a half a million dollars worth of needs made known over in North Carolina, so they'll use every dime of it. God bless you. And those of you that ain't mad, I'd love to shake your hand. You can tell me, I love you, brother. I love you. I appreciate you. God bless you, saints. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Let's say our animosity, our strife, our indifference. Let us lay it on the altar of God. Let God burn it out. Let our voice be a lived voice. What Johnson City needs, what Elizabeth needs, what Kingsport needs, what Bristol needs is hundreds of lived voices. And what I believe, Brother Branham, I believe, Brother Branham, most of the people never even know what you're talking about. But let the voice of God live out of our lives. I want to remember Brother Randy and Sister Sharon. Will you do that? I give myself away.
Passion. 